that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Did you know that our government passes over 1,000 laws each year? Yeah, over 1,000. It's no telling. The Obama administration, the past eight years, how many laws he actually created, especially when you consider the health care laws that were passed. But yeah, government passes over 1,000 laws each year. Now, in your Bible, there are a little over 600 laws. Yeah, just, just 600, none of which have been added to. You have the dietary laws that keep us healthy. You have the sexual laws that keep us moral. You have the racial laws that keep us pure. And you have the economic laws that keep us free from the bondage of debt. Now, some people sort of ignorantly think, well, wouldn't it be great if there were no laws? I mean, if there were no laws, I could drive my car 100 miles per hour down the road if there were no laws. Now, it may, that may or may not be great for you, but it surely would not be great for the pedestrian car crossing the street. And when I think about it, it wouldn't even be great for you because if you make a mistake and you run your car off the road at 100 miles an hour and you wrap it around an oak tree, it's not going to be good for you. Now, it's so hard for people to wrap their minds around that God gave us these laws for our benefit. Now, the way most religious people handle the law of God is like this. I want to give you an analogy. It's sort of like the police officer he has this busy crossroad intersection where people have been running the stop sign. And people are having head-on collisions because they're not obeying the law. Get this. Because they're not obeying the law, they're having head-on collisions. People are getting hurt. People are getting killed. And so he goes out there to evaluate the problem. And instead of, you know, maybe writing out tickets and putting people in jail for breaking the law, what he does, he decides, I know what I'll do to solve this problem. I will cut down the stop sign. No law. Yeah. Now, if you only have three brain cells in your head, you might think that is the solution, that that will solve all the problems, all the head-on collisions. And yet, when it comes to the law of God, that is precisely the answer that you get from brain-dead religious people. That Jesus came to abolish the law, to nail the law to his cross, to fulfill it, to do away. The law's been done away with, it's been fulfilled, it's been done away with. That is their answer. All laws, including the Ten Commandments. Yes, you'd be amazed at the people that write me on the internet that say, yeah, all, when Jesus came, all law, including the Ten Commandments, done away. There's nothing you've got to just sort of enter. Just sort of make up your own decisions how you love God. Whether you do or don't or whatever. Just, you know, you just sort of, there are, there are no laws. Yeah, yeah, people argue this all the time. 
And they can't wrap their minds around the fact that God never gave a bad law. Why would God give bad laws? Why would your God go around giving bad laws? Can you answer that question? I mean, I don't want anything to do with your God if your God goes around giving bad laws. That the law of God is for the benefit of mankind. Yes, all 600, over 600 laws that you find in the Bible. They are for man's benefit. God does not arbitrarily give laws. You know, God's not, he wasn't walking around one day and said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make man miserable. I'm going to give it a commandment that says, thou shall not commit adultery. No. In other words, some people actually believe that God could have just as easily said, thou shall commit adultery. Did you know there's actually a Bible out there called the Wicked Bible? It was a misprint. And instead of saying, thou shall not, it says, thou shall commit adultery. And uh, they, 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 find, they, they you know, corrected this very quickly, and they burned and got rid of all the, the, the old Bibles that said that, the Wicked Bible. But a few escaped that actually say, thou shalt commit adultery. You can only imagine the worth of a Bible like that if you have it as far as money. But anyway, called the wicked Bible. But God does not arbitrarily give laws. Uh, some people think you, that, that God could have just as easily said, thou shalt commit adultery. Truth of the matter is, they say that inside of we human beings, in the sexual relationship between husband and wife, there are actually bugs that are transferred back and forth between one another in intercourse. And they have no effect on us at all. But when you enter into multiple partners, and this partner and that partner, and these bugs mutate, they divide and conquer, and this is one of the things that causes STDs. So why did God say, thou shalt not commit adultery? Well, it's for your own health benefits. It's also for the family, to keep the children, to keep the family together, to have healthy, functional, to have a healthy, functional, functional family system. Now in Matthew 5 and verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophet. It's amazing. The very thing that Jesus said, don't think, is what most religious people go around thinking. The very thing. I mean, most, most people have what I call an asinine religion. It doesn't make any sense. The very things that, don't think this thought, that I have come to destroy the law. And, well, yeah, yeah that's why Jesus came. He, he, he came to destroy it. He came to nail it to his cross. He came to do away with it. Yeah, yeah. Total asinine thinking. Matthew 5 and verse 18 continues on. He says, For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, one crossing of the T, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So the law's been fulfilled, right? Well, you know, Jesus said heaven and earth would have to pass away first. Now do me a favor. Walk outside your door. Plant your feet on the ground. Notice what you're standing on, earth. Look up at the heavens. What does that tell you? Tells you heaven and earth hasn't passed away yet. What does that tell you? Tells you that nothing about the God's law has been fulfilled, done away with, abolished. This is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer, okay? Not talking about college education, not talking about anything. I'm talking about a fifth grade education to understand this. 
Heaven and earth has not passed away yet. Therefore, the law has not been fulfilled or done away with or nailed to the cross. Now, notice this. I want to tell you something about God's grace. And a lot of people don't think I understand God's grace. Actually, I understand God's grace very well. And I'm going to explain it to you here. Matthew 5 and verse 19 continues on. It says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Now my question is that here you've got a person who doesn't keep the law and he teaches others not to keep the law. That's your typical church, okay? The law's been abolished, been fulfilled, okay? All right, now my question is this. It says he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. My question is, how does this jackass get into the kingdom of heaven? What's he doing there? Well, there's only one answer. He's there by God's grace. He's there by God's grace. Yeah, that's the only way you can get a person like that in the kingdom, in the first resurrection. But let's continue on and notice. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, my human nature, even the carnal side of me, wants to be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be called a loser. I don't want Christ looking at me and shaking his head in, in disappointment and saying, you know, you taught the law had been abolished. You taught the law had been fulfilled. You taught others the law had been abolished and fulfilled and done away with. I don't want to be called the least in the kingdom. I don't want to disappoint my Savior when I meet him. I, want to be, I don't want to be called a jackass. You know, you jackass, that's what you taught. You taught the law had been done away with. I don't want to be called, I want to be called great by my Savior in the kingdom of heaven. What do you want to be called? What do you want to be called? Now let's understand something when it comes to a relationship with God. Faith without works is dead and love without obedience is dead. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. I want to look at excuses for not keeping the dietary laws. Yes, ex excuses that religious people use for not keeping the dietary laws. Leviticus 11 and verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying unto them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which, which you shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. So God begins to list the clean beasts and the unclean scavenger beasts that were designed to clean up the earth. Okay, so he separates clean from in unclean. Now, I can just hear some religious person saying, oh, he's talking to the children of Israel. He's talking to Israel. He ain't talk he's talking to the Jews. He's talking to somebody. He's not talking to me. Listen, just can your religion. Just, just cut it out of your life. You don't need it. It's not doing you a bit of good. Okay, all right, get this. God created the world. All right, God created mankind, so he knows the anatomy of the body, how the body works. God created the animal kingdom, clean and unclean, and God gave us the dietary laws and said, these you can eat, these are not fit for human consumption. And I'm giving you these laws for your own personal health. How hard is this? Is this difficult to understand? Is this beyond your comprehension to understand? So let's take a look at some excuses that people use Peter's vision, oh boy, preach ignorant preachers have a heyday with this one. Acts 10 and verse 10, and he, Peter, became very hungry, and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance, 
and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manners of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the fowls of the air. In other words, all of these unclean beasts and animals are in this sheet. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, notice this, notice this, let these words sink deep into your ears. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I want you to think about who Peter is speaking to. He says, Not so, Lord. He's speaking to the Lord. He's speaking to God. And he says, not so. And this is repeated three times. And each time, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. I mean, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. You know, instead of Peter's, you know, Peter's response was not, oh boy, I get to eat all this garbage. No. He says, not so, Lord. I'm not about to touch that nasty stuff. He knew God's law. He knew it a lot better than a lot of Christians, I'll tell you that. He had conviction. And he says, no, no, I know what your law says. I know what your word says, and I'm not eating that. Acts 10 and verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which was sent should mean, notice, Peter didn't come to the erroneous, ignorant conclusion that most religious people come to. Oh, boy, I get to eat that porker. I get to eat anything I want to. No, he, he, he thought about, he doubted in himself what the vision should mean. Now, what did the vision mean? Well, let's look at your Bible. What's really in your Bible? Here's your Bible. Are you going to believe it? All right, Acts 10 and verse 28. And he said to them, he, this is the explanation of the vision. You know how it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one, uh, another nation. But God has shown me through the vision that I should not call any man common or unclean. What was the end result? What was the answer? Why did Peter say, not so, Lord? This was the meaning of the vision, that I should not call any man common or unclean. In other words, God is no respecter of person. It was about this vision is about Peter's vision is about salvation going to the Gentiles, salvation going to all nations. God was now going to offer salvation to everyone. This is what this vision is about. It has nothing to do with meats that you, that unclean meats being made clean. No, it has nothing at all. It's not even about meats. It's about salvation going to the Gentiles. Now let's consider the pig's resume. Yeah, the pig's resume. First of all, his name. He has a name, pig, hog, also listed as swine. Can be reached on farms, in scientific laboratories, and in homes, being used sometimes as a pet. Yeah. Language. It oinks, it squeaks, it snorts, it screeches. Availability. It's in supermarkets, bars, schools. Hospitals, yeah, hospitals, fast food chains, restaurants, and private homes. The history of the pig. 
known to contain the trichna pork worm throughout its entire body, which transferred, which is transferred to humans through the eating of its flesh. Yeah, now that causes a lot of muscle joint pain. It causes high blood pressure. Um, the, the eating of pork does. But this little trichinosis or worm that can get into your flesh, bores holes into your muscles, causes a lot of knee pain and joint pain. Experience. Okay, the pig's resume. Experience. Every part of its body is eaten. Yeah. Oh, believe me. Every part of its body is eaten. Handicap. Has a tube-like opening in its foreleg, similar to a sewage line, which oozes. Oh, that's gross. Pig's feet. Mm-mm. Boy, they sure are good, aren't they? Yeah. Keep living in your ignorance. All right. Criminal records. Previously charged with causing high blood pressure, absolutely heart disease, yes, stiff and sore muscles, obesity, and of course, trichinosis found guilty. Most recent accomplishment has managed to convince the public to ignore the existence of the parasite worm in its flesh to accept its presence as, natural, as a natural part of the American diet. Oh yeah, yeah. The pig's resume, a filthy critter that you are not supposed to be eating. All right, excuses for not keeping the dietary laws. This next one is uh, found in Mark 7 and verse 18. You know, they were getting on to Jesus, the Pharisees, about not washing. They had this ceremonial ritual washing of the hands before they would eat. And they said, Jesus, how come you don't, you and your disciples don't go through this oral law, this ritualistic of washing of hands. How come you're not doing that? And Jesus said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without enters into a man, it cannot defile him? In other words, you're not going to be morally defiled by what you eat. In other words, what you eat is not going to cause you to go out and sin. What you eat is not going to cause you to go out and commit adultery or fornication. Nonsense. You know, this is, in other words, you're not affected by what morally, by what you eat. And it, Jesus goes on to explain it because it enters into, not into the heart, but into the belly and goes out into the draw, purging all meat. Now, it's amazing. There's a lot of Bibles and commentaries that will say about this verse. They will say, therefore, Jesus cleansed all meats. That is the biggest bunch of falsehood, baloney, that I've ever heard in all my life. It is a lie. Jesus did not cleanse all meats. I mean, if he cleansed all meats, why did he give us the dietary laws? Why? Why did he separate clean from unclean? and then cleanse all meats. It doesn't make any sense. Now, if you believe all meats have been cleansed, do me a favor, go down to the Gulf of Mexico and get you a big batch of blood clams. Blood clams, no, actually don't do this because more than likely you'll die, but uh, they ingest viruses and bacteria, bacteria, including hepatitis A, these blood clams do, because it lives in lower oxygen environment. And, you know, it can really do you harm. It can even kill you if you eat these blood clams. Now, I don't know why anybody want to eat a clam anyway, but, but anyway, they are deadly. So I guess Jesus didn't get the memo 
Oh, you know, Jesus walking around scratching his head. Oh, man, I didn't get that memo, God. Uh, I, I forgot to cleanse the blood clams. Uh, you you should have told me. Why didn't you remind me of that? Yeah, yeah, he didn't get the memo, right? Or try to eat an African bullfrog if you think Jesus cleansed all meats. They are lethal. They carry toxins, toxins in their body that will, that will shut down your kidneys if you eat an African bullfrog. Or you might want to try monkey brains, which will actually more than likely turn your own brain into a liquid mush, and you will die. Now, what do all of these things have in common? The blood clams, the African bullfrog, you know. What do they, monkey brains, what do they all have in common? They're unclean. They're scavengers, not meant for human consumption. Jesus did not cleanse all meats. You've been lied to about the Bible again. Do you ever get tired of being lied to about the Bible? Yeah, evidently not, you know, because you keep going to church and keep repeating. You keep hearing the same old lies repeated back to you over and over again. When are you going to get fed up with it? All right, next one. Excuses for not keeping the dietary laws. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 4. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now that word means sanctified. It means set apart by the word of God. All right, where at in your Bible would you find a list of foods set apart in the Word of God. What's well, the dietary laws? It's Leviticus 11. It's where God separates clean from unclean. Listen, if you're praying over monkey brains, blood clams, and the African bullfrog, it's not going to do you a bit of good. If you, oh Lord, I thank you for these monkey brains. Boy, they sure are going to be good. No, no, it's not, that's not how it works. It's saying you should know the meats that God created to be received with thanks. You shouldn't be in ignorance. You shouldn't live your life in ignorance. You should know the meats that God created to be received with thanksgiving, is what the Bible is saying. Now listen, Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. He's the one that gave us the dietary laws. And this is what your Bible says about Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, many of you worship a Jesus that changes every time you walk through the doors of the church. Oh boy, another law has been abolished. Oh, I'm grateful. I oh, I'm thankful I don't have to do that. Oh, I'm thankful I don't have to keep that. Oh man, I'm grateful. I don't, I'm grateful I don't have to do a thing that's written in the Bible, the Word of God. Yeah, you're, you're, you, you worship a Jesus often that is changing constantly. And you ask your preacher, and he's going to, oh, you don't have to do that. That's for somebody else. That's for the Jews. That's for Israel. That's old covenant. It's not for us. It's for somebody else. That's what you're going to hear. So God in his mercy gave us laws. He gave us dietary laws to keep us healthy. How concerned are you about your health? You know, when you're, you may feel good now, but when you get sick, you are deeply concerned about your health. And God is deeply concerned about your health. And he gives us a way, he gives us laws that are all about health, the dietary laws. He gives us sexual laws to keep us moral and upright. He gives us racial laws to keep us pure. He gives us economic laws to keep us free from bondage. And only a fool would say, well, none of that's important. 
Those laws have been abolished and done away with. Yeah, and I hate to say it, that's often what you hear in church and coming from preachers. Yep, well, I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Are you concerned about your personal health? Is God, the creator and designer of the human body, concerned about your health? Are there instructions in the Bible that is directly related to your personal health? When it comes to your personal health, God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. And the one thing that you can do for yourself is to follow God's dietary laws. Order your free copy of What's on Your Plate to get a better understanding of the foods that may be destroying your health. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.